Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, we've been on a series called Let No One Deceive You. And so I want us to jump right into that today. You got a lot I want to mentioned as Chris did a great job there talking about our vision offering is coming up December 16th. So be praying about that. Just whatever God would put on your heart as we continue to reach forward and uh, doing more for his kingdom. I feel like God's wanting to uh, have us reach further than we've ever reached before in 2021. And so we're just going to keep going for it. We'll keep believing God for miracles and believing him for more. And uh, so we're thankful for what he's done and reaching forward into the future. Um, I want us to pray. I want to start out before I turn our Bibles. I want to start praying out just to receive the word and just to pray for all those that are dealing with health issues, uh, healthcare workers, uh, hospitals, doctors, and nurses, and all those people in nursing homes. All of us have family members and friends dealing with health issues. So I just want us to pray for those, come into agreement for them, and I want us to pray over the word. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We thank you, Lord, that you are the healer. You call yourself Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. That your heart is to heal. So we just speak that over everyone dealing with health issues in Jesus' name. We come against the symptoms of the coronavirus. We come against those in Jesus' name in the lungs and the respiratory. We just command breath to come in the lungs. We come against inflation, or sorry, inflammation. We rebuke you in Jesus' name. We command you to go, and we, Lord, we just pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to watch over your word, to perform it in this earth as it is in heaven. We say, heaven, come in the lives of people needing from healing. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we just set our hearts in agreement with you. That Jesus said to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. And Holy Spirit, I ask for the same thing through the word, Lord, that you just bring this word to life, that it not just be me speaking, Lord, but I pray that you'll open our ears and our hearts to get revelation today. We want to hear from you, Holy Spirit. We need you. We need your direction. We need your hope in this world right now. We look to you for our peace and our strength. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody say amen. 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 All right, let's jump right into it today. We... uh, are going to be looking at some different scriptures today, but we're going to start with Old Faithful. So if you got your Bibles, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God, so we get a little excited when we open it up. So don't be afraid if you uh, have somebody beside you that gets a little crazy here in just a second. But if you got your Bibles today, come on, Mount Carmel, E-Roads family, Norris City, show them what's up. We open them up this morning to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Just excited about the Bible. Excited about what God has to say. Hey, sermon notes are available in your worship guide, or you can get them on the YouVersion Bible app. Note takers are world changers. So take some notes today. I'm going to give you more scriptures uh, today than probably normal, but I'm, I'm teaching on something today that I want to make sure you have plenty of Bible and not just Chad's opinion. I say this a lot, and I mean it every time. I don't want you to believe anything because Chad said so. We're not here to believe what Chad says. We're here to believe what the Bible says. So that's why we're going to use a lot of scripture because the question I'm going to ask you today is, are you ready for that day? Are you ready for that day? And I'm going to teach on the end times a little bit and the return of Christ. And I do this with humility because I'm not trying to win an argument or win a debate. I'm not somebody who likes to say, hey, I'm right, you're wrong, 
yada, yada, yada. I'm teaching this with, hey, this is the way I see the Bible. This is the way I interpret the Bible. If you don't interpret that way, that's okay. We can still be friends. But I'm going to teach it the way I see it because I think it's important. So I talk about the return of Christ. Why is it important for us to have a perspective on when Christ is going to return? I believe it makes a difference in this regard regarding the rapture of the church. I was taught that Jesus was going to return any moment sometime before the rapture or before the tribulation. So I just lived in that mindset of just any second now, boom, we can get out of here. 1988, 88 reasons why Jesus would come in 88. Some of you a little bit age on you, you remember that book. Followed by the sequel in 1989, 89 reasons why he could come back in. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, because of that mindset, then I lived with a bit of a pessimistic ideology towards the world. And this is the danger, what I think, with that mindset. Because we can have a little bit of lack of hope and a sense of inevitability. Like, things are supposed to get worse Things are supposed to just to go to hell in a handbasket, and then at some point, Jesus is going to take us out of here, glory day, I'll fly away. Now, I hope that's what happens. I do. I really do. I'm just having trouble understanding that from the biblical standpoint. And so I'm going to read it again as I see it, because I feel like the church uh, have, has been revealed in COVID-19 that the church is not really ready for a lot of adversity. And I say this with all due respect, and I include myself in it. I believe the church has gotten a little bit soft in that we think we're going to get pulled out of all the difficulties. So when things get difficult, we start looking, God, when are you coming? Instead of looking, what should we be doing to make a difference in the world around us? We expect that things are supposed to get worse and just go towards the devil, and we're just supposed to go towards heaven. But what if while we're here, we're supposed to have an impact on what the world looks like? So I'm just going to throw some things out today, okay? And if you don't like it, hey, let's still be friends. I'm just saying I want to be enduring to the end. Let me get into the Bible. Okay, that's enough disclaimers. Uh, if hopefully you brought your Bible. Let's look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. <laughs> Second Thessalonians chapter 1. It says this, Now brethren, talking to the church, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, pay attention to these phrases, they're important. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. Make note. What are we talking about? The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is going to return. And our gathering together to him. So that's the topic at hand. Jesus is going to return, and we're going to gather together to him. That's what Paul's writing about. In regards to this, he said, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. The day of Christ, or also called the day of the Lord. What is the day of Christ? Let no one deceive you. Be a great title for a series. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day. Everybody say that day. that day. Now notice, 
that day. What is that day? That day is also the day of Christ in the previous verse or the day of the Lord also called. And what is that referring to? That's return, uh, referring to this coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. So we're talking about that day. When the Bible says that day, it's talking about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. Are we clear? So again, I like to let the Bible define the Bible instead of us just trying to guess what it means. So it says, let no one deceive you by any means for that day, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, will not come unless, colon, the falling away comes first. That's a departure from the truth, apostia, and uh, yeah, we, we talked about that, sorry. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. This is the Antichrist, the lawless one. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The last part of that verse is the abomination of desolation talked about in Mark chapter 13, in Daniel chapter 11, and Matthew chapter 24. Now, I want to give you a heads up before I lose some of you with details and you're like, I really didn't come to entertain you today. I came to inform you. I really don't come to entertain you any week, but... I'm just, but the purpose today, for some of you that think, I don't really care about this thing, I think you should care. And I think you should care because it has an impact on what's going to happen in the world around you. Because as long as we're looking to get out of here, we never try and change here. We're always looking this way and we're going, who, who cares? Who cares about them? As long as I'm in the club, who cares? And I think it's a wrong mindset. So that day. What is that day? So what happens on that day? <clears throat> Look in chapter 1 of the same book, 2 Thessalonians. So prior to that day, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that day will not come unless the man of sin is revealed first, the son of perdition, the Antichrist. Jesus will not come and we will not be gathered together to him until the man of sin is revealed, according to the Bible. Whether I like it or not, that's what it says. Look at verse 6. So what happens on that day? I want to build a case with a lot of scripture today. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when? When do we get rest? This is important. When do we get rest from trouble? When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Man, pick up this wording. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these, the people who do not know God and those who don't obey the gospel, will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So Jesus is coming with his mighty angels. And here's what's happening. The people who don't know God and the people who don't obey God, they're going to be dismissed from the presence of the Lord, and that's going to be eternal punishment for them from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day, everybody say that day. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. So what happens on that day? When he comes on that day, number one, that day, Jesus is revealed from heaven with his angels. That's what's going to happen on that day. 
okay? Number two, people who don't know God, people who don't obey God, they're going to be dismissed from the presence of God, and those who do believe in God are going to admire him and rejoice that he came. That sounds like the end. Because when he comes in that day, for those to be dismissed from the presence of God and to be departed or to uh, be punished from him from this presence, it doesn't say he's going to come and then seven years later, they're going to be punished. It says when he comes, just, I'm just reading it out loud and letting you think for what you, you know, decide for yourself. And he's also going to be glorified with his saints. So what happens on that day? Let me read to you Matthew chapter 13, verse 28. And he said to them, an, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, the wheat and the tares, righteous and unrighteous. Let them grow together until when? Then say to the rapture, said till the harvest. The harvest is both, y'all. Righteous and unrighteous. The harvest isn't one group of people. The harvest is both. Some to the presence of God, some banished from the presence of God. Grow together until the harvest. Now, Mark chapter 13. Let's go over there. You ready for your Bible trivia? What was that game we used to play? Speed scriptures used to see who could find the verse fastest. Yep, whatever it was, we're doing it right now. Ready? Mark 13. <laughs> Some of you didn't play that game. That's okay. Mark chapter, I probably beat you. Mark 13, <laughs> verse 24. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Oh, don't be so competitive. Verse 24. But in those days after that tribulation, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Verse 26, then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Key words. Son of Man coming and clouds. Thessalonians, what happens on that day? Jesus revealed from heaven with his mighty angels coming. Okay, great. We got that. Check. Great power and glory. And then he will send his angels. Oh, there are the angels. And gather together. His elect, sounds like a harvest, from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. Farthest part of the earth, farthest part of heaven. Why does he say farthest part of heaven also? I'm glad you asked. That's because he's bringing the dead in Christ with him. Farthest part of heaven. These are people that's already died. Believers, followers in Jesus are going to come back with him. We can talk about that more in a moment. So there you see it in Mark chapter 13. Go over to Matthew chapter 24. I want you, again, read the Bible for yourself. Please don't ever, ever, ever ask me this question. Chad, what do we believe? I will smite you. <laughs> I, will I will not. But you know how people go up to their preacher and say, now what do we believe about that stuff? I was trying to tell my friend, I just don't know what it is we believe. <laughs> well, if you can't tell your friend then you don't believe it. Was that harsh? You need to know what you believe. It doesn't matter what Chad believes. It matters what the Bible says and whether you believe what the Bible says. I know what I believe based on what the Bible says. So as a church, we don't believe anything. I believe this. 
I'm going to teach this. If everybody in here believes it, that's great. But we don't have a collective belief based on what someone says. Is that okay? I'm just trying to break it down. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 24, verse 4. Jesus answered and said to him, take heed that no one deceives you. Man, that'd be a great title. For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and will deceive many or few. I think there's an underestimation in the world on how big the deception will be in the end times. I was talking to a friend over Thanksgiving, uh, or a family member over Thanksgiving. They're also a friend. They're both. And anyway, we're talking, and I said, the problem is that most people believe that most people are good. And in there, in that situation will be the deception that we will not expect the level of evil that is underlying the motivations of certain people because we don't think that's possible. And some people truly have evil motivations inspired by Satan. It's going to happen. So that's why they'll deceive many. Now, there's a lot of great things in Matthew chapter 24. I encourage you, read it. It's fantastic. Oh, I'm just looking at all the verses that are good. Good, good, good. Skip, skip, skip. Go to verse 29. All those are good. We don't have time. Matthew 29, or Matthew 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. That's pretty clear. So here's what's going to happen immediately after the tribulation. This is not written by some post-tribulation commentator. This is words of Jesus in the red. He said, immediately after the tribulation of those days, remember our key words, Jesus, angels, clouds, coming, gathering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens will be shaken, then, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, let me go back there. You don't have to go there. Second Thessalonians now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. He will be coming with his angels revealed from heaven. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and glory, and he will send his angels. Okay, so we got a lot of themes going on here. Son of Man's coming in the clouds. He's bringing his angels on that day, and with a great sound of a trumpet. Whoa, that's a new one. So we've got that Jesus was coming with his angels in a cloud on that day, but this is a new one. He's coming with a great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together his elect, sounds like the harvest again, from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So now, again, building the case on what the Bible says. Just reading what the Bible says, and then I want you to interpret when is Jesus coming back before, after the tribulation, just based on reading the Bible. Not based on someone telling you when it's going to happen, just solely getting it from Scripture, okay? So we see from there... He's going to come with the sound of a trumpet with angels and gather us together. I'm all down with that or up. You know what I mean. So now let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now I listen to the opposing views. I listened to a message, and I've listened to it probably three or four times, of someone who preached total opposite of what I'm teaching today, that Jesus is going to come before the tribulation. 
And so I'm, I'm a student because I don't want to be right to win an argument. I want to be right just to tell the truth, to prepare people, to help people. So I'm listening. I've got my notes out. I'm, I'm looking at the scriptures. He said, turn to a verse. I'm, and we got to this scripture. He said, this is the most clear scripture in the Bible about the rapture of the church before the tribulation. I'm like, oh, man, the most clear? I need to read this. Let me pay attention. So verse 13, let's see if we can find it. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, not people that's fallen asleep like in church, but those, some of you, this might apply, but <laughs> fallen asleep as in they've passed away, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Those who've died, bring with him, that's the same thing that he, he brought all those people from heaven in Mark chapter 13. We read that, but anyway. Verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. What's the coming of the Lord? I'm glad you asked. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, and our gathering together to him, which happens on that day, which won't happen until the man of sin is revealed first. That same day. Concerning the coming of our Lord will by no means precede those who are dead. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven... Okay, we got that. Remember, he's coming. He's going to be revealed in heaven with his angels with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Now, hold on. In Matthew, we just said he's going to come with a great sound of a trumpet. Okay, so we got a trumpet again. So we got two things corresponding here. Let's see what that means. With the trumpet of God and the dead of Christ, dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. In verse 17 is where we get the, the uh, teaching on the rapture of the church. The words caught up. The words caught up. In English, that's how it's translated, but it is the Greek word harpazo, which means to snatch away or to remove hastily. Now the Latin word, in your, if you had a Latin Bible and you're reading where it says caught up, it would say rapturo. Rapturo, which means rapture. So this is where they say right there, then we are alive and remain, shall be raptured up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall, shall we be always with the Lord. I'm like, I read that, I'm following along in the sermon, and right there, and he said, right there, see, it's the rapture. I'm like, okay, I agree with all of that. Now, show me where it says it's before the tribulation. I haven't seen it yet, because coming of our Lord is that day, what happens on that day, the Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, and that day will not happen. Let no one deceive you unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. So we see that we are going to be caught up together to meet him in the air. There is going to be a trumpet of God. You're like, trumpet? Yeah, let's talk about the trumpet again. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I know this is a lot of Bible, and I'm giving you the speed version of this message. Someday I'll teach it in a class maybe and go really slow and break down all the details, but today I'm going to go 
used to be Cliff Notes version. They use something else now. I can't remember what it's called. Verse 50, are you with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Anybody like secrets? Paul's telling you one right here. I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means die. We shall not all die. But we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Ding, ding, ding. Remember we just talked about trumpets? Matthew chapter 24, we talked about trumpets. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he's going to come with a trumpet. says we're all going to be changed now. We've got another clue. It's that the last trumpet. Whenever I read last trumpet, that gives me the indication that there are previous trumpets. So if this is the last trumpet, then there's got to be trumpets before this. Because he says, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. Got that? We've heard about that. Dead will rise close first and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. And we shall all be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption. Mortal must put on immortality. Praise God. But what about this last trumpet? Where do we find about a series of trumpets? If, I want to be, if this is all going to happen at the sounding of the last trumpet, then I want to know where does the Bible talk about trumpets. Go to Revelation chapter 11. Let's talk about the book of the last, Revelation chapter 11. Is everybody okay? You following along? Mount Carmel, you with me? All right, they just shouted right there as loud as they could be. You can't hear them, but I'm telling you, those people are cray-cray up there. I love them. <laughs> Revelation chapter 11. Come on, carry me, Mount Carmel. They're, they're falling asleep here, some of them. But Revelation chapter 11. Now, if you look in Revelation chapter 8, it starts the prelude to the seven trumpets. Now, there's going to be sounding of seven trumpets, and all of these trumpets, if you read through these, these are not pretty pictures. These are difficult times that's going to happen on the earth at the end times. All these trumpets signify something else. Vegetation struck, sea struck, water struck, heaven struck, locusts from the bottomless pit, yikes, Angels from the Euphrates, 6-1. But jump to verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 15, it says the seventh trumpet and there is no eighth. So the seventh trumpet is the last trumpet. When did Jesus, when are we going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye? At the sounding of the last trumpet. Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. This is at the end. This is the seventh trumpet, the last trumpet. And he's saying, hey, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and was and is to come, because you've taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged. Notice when the wrath came when it was time to judge at the time of the dead. And that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name 
small and great and should destroy those who destroy the earth. So notice that the last trumpet, this is what happens. This is at the end. And this is when it says Christ is going to return. Now let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. What is the last trumpet? Hmm. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So now I'm just continuing from chapter 4. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, what's the day of the Lord? The day of Christ, the day of the Lord, which concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and are gathering together to him, or also called that day or this day, for the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, listen to this, those who are followers of Christ, who are Christians, listen to this verse. But you, brethren, when it says brethren, it's talking about Christians. You are not in darkness so that this day, what day? The day of the Lord, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and are gathering together to him. This day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, but those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice what happened. This day is coming for the believer. It should be different than those who are not Christians. It should not overtake us as a thief in the night. We should be ready. He's told us things beforehand in Mark chapter 13, Matthew chapter 24. He told us things beforehand so that we would be ready for this time in history and we would not be scared in this time in history. We would not be shook and hopeless, but we would be filled with faith and love and put on the helmet, the hope of salvation. Yes, the Christian should be excited. More so than that, but they should be excited. Wow. <laughs> but right here, look at verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath. Right there is where some people have said, see, we're not appointed to wrath, so we're not going to go through the tribulation. Well, in Revelation chapter 11 that I just read to you, it says, your wrath has come at the time of the dead that they should be judged. I'm not appointed to wrath. I've been appointed to salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what my appointment is, to be saved through Jesus Christ. It's not talking about whether I go through the tribulation or not. It's whether you're going to spend eternity with God or not. Let me give, give you a couple more scriptures. Go to Daniel chapter 12. You're going to like these. Are you wore out yet? Why does it matter? I think it matters because people need to know about the end times. I think the church needs to be prepared for the end times, and I think the church needs to know a little bit about it so that we're not walking around just wondering what we're supposed to do while we're here. We're supposed to change the world. We're supposed to be influencers of change. We're supposed to bring the world to Jesus, not kick the world goodbye while we escape to Jesus. Daniel chapter 12, look at verse 1. All right, I got to get to a certain place here. I want to point out something. I'm going to 
drop a little, I, I put a teaser out a couple weeks ago about something. You remember when I was talking about um, in first, or sorry, Second Thessalonians when it's talking about, and now you know that what is restraining that he may re- be revealed in his own time, talking about the Antichrist, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, and how people will say that that's the church is the one restraining, they'll be taken out of the way, and the Holy Spirit... Well, here's my theory on what that could be, possibly, just something to think about. Verse 1 of chapter 12, at that time, Michael shall stand up. Who's Michael? Michael is one of the archangels. There was Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer were three archangels. Lucifer didn't turn out so well. But Michael and Gabriel, Gabriel is the messenger angel, Michael is a war angel. You don't mess with Michael. Michael kicks butt and takes names. I'm just saying, sorry. <laughs> I'm not sure that's scriptural, but I mean, I could point to some scriptures where one angel took out a hundred. Never mind. Keep reading. The great prince, sometimes I wonder why words come out of my mouth. The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. So he's going to stand up and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Who's restraining removes out of the way, and then there's a time of trouble. Could it possibly be Michael's the one that's restraining? And then once he stands up and moves out of the way, there'll be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. Just something to consider. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who's found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Everyone who's found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Let me get to the next verse. Some, this is at the end, this is at the end. Some to everlasting life, this is the harvest, because some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Notice what God's saying. Those who turn many to righteousness are going to shine like the stars forever and ever. Also those who are wise, talking about these at the end times, because he says in verse 4, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. I believe God's calling us to bring knowledge into the forefront about the end times because it's time to shine. It's time to bring some light on the subject of what the church's responsibility is in the earth. Our responsibility is not to have gatherings in our buildings and wait for God to zap us out of here. I believe it's for us to get our pep talks, get our teaching, gather together and encourage one another, and then go out and turn many to righteousness. This is our job. This is our goal. This is our purpose. Because notice what he says. He says, everyone is found written in the book. Written in the book. I got to give you something. Everyone is found written in the book. We used to sing a song when I was a kid. And I'm going to drop a little bomb here, and I don't mean to upset anybody's ideology. But this is just how I roll. Sometimes I like to throw out some stuff that make you, th- I just want to make you think about something. You may have heard this song said, there's a new name written down in glory and it's my. I thought, I was taught that the day I made Jesus Lord of my life, 
that my name was written in the Lamb's book of life. Anybody else been taught that? He says right here, everyone who's found written in the book, I'm like, I'm glad I got my name written in the book. What if, what if, a couple of scriptures I want to read to you. Psalm 69, 28 says, let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 32, yet now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. Exodus, then the next verse. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. What if? It's not when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. What if your name's written in his book the day you were created until your dying breath, he gives you an opportunity to accept him. And only at your rejection of what he has to offer you is your name blotted out of that book. It's not that God is waiting on you to write down your name. He's already made his mind up on you. He's already wrote your name down. He's waiting on you to make up your mind about him. He's already decided he wants to spend eternity to you. So until your dying breath, he's got your name in there and he's believing and hoping and praying that you will accept him. But if a person rejects up to their dying breath, that is the sin against the Holy Spirit. When you refuse to accept salvation, your name will be blotted out and not be remembered with the righteous. So why teach on this, Chad? Why, why all the fuss? What does it matter? I'm out on the first load. So whenever Jesus comes back, again, I say it this way because COVID-19 has, has shown me that I believe the church is not prepared for persecution. We're, we're a little soft around the gills. Mark 13 says this, speaking of the end times, and I'll close with this. But of that day, what day? The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we're gathering together with him. Of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know what time it is. It is like a man, here's what it is. Here's what the end times are like. Pay attention. If you get nothing else out of this message, get this part. It is like, so there's a comparison. It is like, this is Jesus making an analogy here. It is like a man going to a far country. Who could that be? Jesus possibly going to heaven? Who left his house and gave authority, gave authority to his servants and to each his work. Watch. Watch, watch. So why do we need to know? Because I believe Jesus ascended into heaven and said, I'm going to come back. I went to prepare a place for y'all, and I'm coming back in to get you. But while I'm gone, I give you authority and to each one of you, your work. So here's the question. Are we doing our work? Or are we just waiting to get out of here? You, cameras, you have a work that you're going to be judged by. Are you doing your work? When he comes back, we're going to stand before God and he's going to say, hey, I left you to your work. How'd you do? I really didn't try to change my coworkers or I just kept, I was just waiting for the rapture. Well, 
Didn't happen that way. What if, possibly, and I'm all down with it, if we go out of here before the, before the tribulation, woo, thank you, Jesus. But what if we have to go through the tribulation and what if our assignment is actually to impact our world? Some people, when they read about the tribulation, they read about all the things that are happening. One of the problems, and we'll get into this maybe next week, is a lot of people in America read the Bible from a Western mindset, and they see some of the things happening, and they're like, oh, no, all those things are going. The Bible's a Middle Eastern book. And the main focus of the end times is around Israel. It's not around the United States. United States is great, it's wonderful, but we need to get over ourselves from the perspective of the Bible. The Bible's about the Middle East. So most of the impact is going to happen, right? And I'll be talking about this when I tell you where the Antichrist is, where I believe he's going to come from. It's not from New York. He's not going to come out of L.A. or North City. I just put us right there with New York and L.A. But I believe it's important for us to have a hope, and I believe it's important for us to have an enduring mindset, not an escaping mindset. I want you to have a knowledge of this book right here because when everything that can be shaken is shaken, this is all you will have. We can't trust the news anymore. We can't trust politics anymore. We can't trust, we can't trust, we can't trust. (laughs) Things falling all around you. This is the only thing that will stand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.